0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Staying Fit ODAT. My name is Migs, and I'm your host. ODAT is an acronym for one day at a time that I picked up in early sobriety and something that's stuck with me every day since. All right, everybody, welcome to our next episode of Staying Fit ODAT. My name is Migs, and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, Just a friendly reminder, I'm gonna keep pushing them. Go ahead and please leave us a podcast review. That is the one way you can really, really help us uh apple podcast pod chaser those are two of the easy ones to go ahead and leave a rating and review it really helps out for the people that don't know about the podcast yet who have never heard of it who aren't following us on social media yet it'll help pop up in their relevancy queue as suggestions in the health and fitness world and will really just help them find something that might cling on to a story that they might need to hear might help us save a life and that is the whole point of this podcast So go ahead, everybody, please leave a rating and review. It really helps. And we're going to start reading those here online very, very shortly. So on today's episode, we are going to have another international guest. We're going to have someone that I've been following on TikTok recently, someone who is very, very exciting, very motivating, very inspirational. And, you know, I don't know too much about the recovery story here, but someone who is just a blast to follow along on TikTok and is just constantly lifting other people um, always knocking off the negativity, uh, the, the shitty energy anybody tries to send them. Um, just sends it back and responds with love. And it's probably one of my favorite things about this person here today, about our guest. So for, for me this morning, it's 7 a.m. here in Pennsylvania. For our guest over here on the other side of the pond, as we like to say, it is now the afternoon, a uh, little after 12 p.m., so why don't you go ahead and introduce our uh, introduce yourself to our guest today, brother?
1: Yes, thank you so much, Migs. So James from JT Motive, uh, it's an absolute honor for you to ask me. I've been very, very excited when I booked myself in for this, Migs. So first of all, let me thank you so much for inviting me on. For sure, um,
0: pleasure's all mine. So uh, why don't you tell our guests first um, who you are, where you're from? Uh, and be specific on that, because a lot, uh, you know, I, you know, for for a lot of us, you know, like myself, I don't know too, too much about yeah. England and, and the cities and whatnot. So why don't you tell us who you are, where you're okay
1: for a living? OK, so my name is James. I'm the, the creator of JT Motive. Um I live in uh, England, as you like to call it. You just said there, makes across the pond in a place called Manchester. Now, as soon as I say Manchester, the first thing people say is, "Go on, I'll let you say it, mix." When I say Manchester,
0: what do you say? Well, I'm a huge, I'm a huge, uh, what you call football fan. So I was going to say City or United. There you go, and that's it. When you say
1: Manchester, it's City or United. Done. That's what people say. That's where I'm from. And um, uh, born and raised in Manchester. Never left Manchester. I've always been in and around. In around Manchester, I'm 42 years old, so I've been in Manchester
0: 42 years. Awesome! Awesome. Now, to put you back on the spot for a second, uh, football well, soccer as we know it, but what you know as football that is yeah. legitimately my favorite sport. Uh, I really did mean that, so so I am going to refer back to that question Are you City or United?
1: Honest answer because I'm very honest, I'm not into football. Oh,
0: uh, okay. I'm a huge Chelsea fan. Huge Chelsea. Oh, are you? Fan. Yeah. I'm I would love, that's football. like my bucket list. I would love to come out to London and go to a Chelsea game so bad. That is like one of my like top things to do.
1: That was my last game I went to. I'm not
0: into football at all and I'm not. Um,
1: if I had to have a choice, if I had to, it would be United. All my family United fans. But the last game I went to was for one of the, Charity Shield, is it called? Okay. This was years ago. I'm talking. I just got into recovery. This was like ten years ago, uh, and it was at Wembley, the Chelsea, oh, and Chelsea won.
0: That's awesome. But yeah, Chelsea right. want to remember it. That was my last match. Ronaldo, Ronaldo, one of the greatest of all time, is back in Manchester. Oh, mate, is he back in Manchester? Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and jump in. Let's start sharing your story here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us about your, your upbringing, you know, uh, your childhood, however much detail you want to go in there, what it was like uh, growing up, um, you know, just what, whatever you want to share with our listeners. Thanks, Migs.
1: So family life for me, there's me, uh, my older brother, I have a stepbrother, and then my mom and dad, and it uh, was amazing. Life as a child growing up was amazing. We never wanted for anything. We didn't have much, but we never wanted for any, anything. In our household, I can only remember happy times. And in our household, there was so much love shown. It was constantly shown. And um, as I said, we didn't have much in respect of uh, material stuff. But Christmas and birthdays and whatnot, we never wanted. We never wanted for anything. Uh, my, my, my parents always made sure that we were fully loved and cared for um all the way through school loved loved my childhood loved my school days if i had a time machine i would love to go back and just relive it exactly the same as it was i wouldn't change a thing it was amazing never went abroad being on being a, a youngster we always did holidays in the uk in and around the uk um i didn't go on my first abroad trip until I was 25, 26. And that was a bang in the middle of my addiction, which I'll come to. So as far as my childhood, when I'm the youngest of three, um, very, very happy childhood. I'd say, I mean, in the household in Manchester the, in the eighties, as I grew up, the, the whole theme was obviously the mum stayed at home, maybe had a part-time job. The dads would work. My dad was in the building game. So once he was a joiner, carpenter, um, when he finished at four, or five o'clock, the, the, all the men went in the pub. That's what they did. Um, he would come home at half, seven, eight o'clock, have his tea, watch the telly, and then and that was live Mum and would work part time. Um, always very happy. So there was alcohol was around the house, not alcoholics or anything like that. Just everyone drank. That's what they did. Um, I remember having my first, my first drink. I don't remember my first drink, my first taste of a drink. I do remember the very first time I got drunk. And I think I was between eight and 10 years
0: old. Wow. Uh, so that wasn't even your first time drinking.
1: No, I've had sips and stuff like that with my dad's and stuff. I, as you do when you're six and seven. Um I would all oh, have a sip of that and stuff. But when I got... I, first, I very first got drunk at a, a, um, a, a birthday party. My grandma kept saying to me, "Go and get me another glass of wine." And I would fill the wine up to the brim, drink the top off it, and then give it a give it a, as if I filled it up. But that kept happening. Of course, I must have drank two or three glasses of wine, eight ten years old. Next to you know, I'm throwing up everywhere. Wow, wow, that's and my that, earliest recollection.
0: And that's only eight or ten years old. That's that's pretty Ooh. young. Right. Um, and then, so how about, how about your teenage years? I know you said you had your first experience with a drug at 18. What were your teenage years like?
1: Yeah. So going through school, I went to, a, I went to a school, uh, my secondary school
0: and we were the last intake of that secondary school. Now, sec- Secondary school. Is that a term for, is that what you would call like middle school, like sixth, seventh, eighth grade? No, I'm not sure.
1: Like the, the, your last school is your high, did you call it high school? school. Okay. Yeah. So we call it secondary school, but high school, now it's called high school to be fair here. It wasn't when I was back at school, it was secondary school. And we were the last intake. So when I went into the first year, when I finished my first year and went into second year, there was no first years came in because it was being turned into a college. So, we were the last intake, so we never had any under people. We, we were the youngest all the way through our school years. Uh, I remember I was always in with the crowd. I was always in with the main people, of the, the, like, like the, the head of the school, so to speak, the main boy. But I was always at the back of that crowd, if that made sense.
0: Yeah, you were hanging with
1: the popular I, crowd. I was hanging with the popular crowd, but I wasn't popular within that crowd. There was a couple of lads that were more popular than me, so to speak. Okay. Uh, I, did get, I did get bullied uh, a little bit through school, through a little bit in school and a little bit outside of school from people, lads that I used to um, hang around with on the streets and stuff outside, uh, not that I didn't go to school with. So there was a little bit of bullying going on. That, that didn't affect me very much, um, I wouldn't have thought.
0: Um, but, yeah, all in all, uh, Mix, it, it was good. It was good. Awesome. So so where where does this experience with a drug come along at 18 then? What was that like for you and, and what was okay. that? Okay,
1: so I left school at 16. So I left high school at 16 and I went to become an electrician. Um, do you call that electric? electrician? Yeah. Yours? Uh, yeah, electrician. So I went to become an electrician and I did that for two years and then I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore through health reasons so I went and found another job in a supermarket. And I didn't really drink from 16, from when I left school from 16 to 18, I didn't really do anything. It was quite boring. It, I remember it was my 18th birthday party and I drank lime and soda. I drank soda water. I wasn't bothered, it never bothered me. And then I got a job in a supermarket and I met a lad who uh, was very streetwise, And at 19 years old, and then I'd go out with him and we'd have a few drinks. And then I remember at 19 years old, he offered me my first drug, my first line of Coke. Now, to go to cocaine straight away, in well, I suppose wherever, I never, I never, I I wasn't one of these that progressed. So I wasn't one of these that smoked weed for a bit, then went on to ecstasy, then went on to, to, um, amphetamine I never I never crept up I went straight onto the coke never done anything before and I loved it 19 years old I had my first line of coke
0: and I fucking loved it wow now um a couple things first at in where in England I don't know if it's everywhere in, uh everywhere over there in the UK or maybe just specific parts but the legal drinking age is only 19 right is that anywhere eighteen, over there? 18. 18. Okay. So at this point you're old enough to go into the bars and not, um, you're old enough to drink and get drunk with your friends and you're not yet, but you just jump straight into Coke and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like your first experience wasn't even one of those like, Hey, this is fun. You know, I can try this once in a while. You know, this was pretty cool. It sounds like your first time. It was just like, Man, fuck! This is awesome, and this is gonna be me. This is gonna be how JT rolls now. Just like, just go ahead and get some coke. And it—it it sounds like you just jumped right in right away.
1: I bought a gram of coke every single day after that first line, which was on a Sunday night. I then bought a gram of coke every single night for seven
0: days. Holy shit, man! So it there wasn't—it wasn't even there wasn't even a thought process for a few days. Like, hey, I might try that again. You were just no. like right in nope. right away wow that's that's that is a lot that is you know to just really just jump straight in and there really was no segue like that's now is coke very i mean it's a bad drug and a big drug i guess anywhere in the world but for where you live and especially at that time frame is is this like I don't know exactly how old you are. Are we talking back in, is this like in the nineties at this point? Yes. This is late
1: nineties, early two thousands.
0: Now, if you had to try and use, you know, uh, I guess like a law of averages or percentages, like where I'm from, you know, Coke Coke was very relevant when I was growing up. It wasn't rare, you know, to, to hear that someone was doing that stuff. It wasn't like shocking. It wasn't like, Oh, where'd this stuff come from? So, Was cocaine very relevant and prevalent to your geographical location, to your age group, or for you to just go ahead and jump right in right away at 19, were you kind of like an an anomaly or were there a lot of people around you doing what you were doing at this point?
1: Loads, not as as many as towards the end, but it was very accessible. It was very expensive at the time. But it was very accessible, and the people I hung around with all did it.
0: Okay, so you weren't even like uh, you weren't even out like an outlier. Like a lot of other people were doing it, so it was probably very easy for you to even like blend in and not even think that you had a problem or that it was an issue even from the Correct. beginning. Correct. So how how long is is it like? Does it go in and get crazy for you right right away? Because I know you don't get sober and clean until 2010, so you're going to have quite a f- quite a bunch of years here where yeah. you're actively using uh, through your active addiction. Uh, did did it get bad right away? Are we doing anything? Are you getting it, it in got, any trouble? Is anybody in your family saying anything to you?
1: It got bad at 23, but let me go from 19 to 23 now quickly. So when I I was I, I was hooked straight away. And I I had a a, a cocaine habit for 18 months solid um, from 19, um, as much as I could. And I remember somebody saying to me, you don't drink on it. And I didn't for a while. But then I discovered that you do drink on it because you can drink more. And because I hated, I hated feeling that pissed feeling. So we used to do it. So I'd have a, a drink feel a bit uh, pissed, have a line, would bring me down a bit so I wouldn't feel as pissed. But then I'd have another line and feel a bit too wired and a bit paranoid. So then I'd have another drink to try and compensate to try and bring me a little bit more relaxed. And it was a battlefield, like um, a set of scales going up and down, up and down, trying to balance. And all I wanted to feel was normal. But I'm trying to get this balance right of drink and sniff.
0: So I think... And it's funny, too, because you actually this reminds me of a story that one of my best friends shared with me, Um, someone that I know, actually, in my personal life that I interviewed here on this podcast. And he tells the story about the first time he ever did coke and the way he shares this story. And it's very, very similar to what you're saying right now. So he was at a college party getting drunk with his friends and they were drinking all night. And he was just starting to crash. He was just getting very, very tired from all the drinking and being drunk. And he made a he made a joke to his friend and said, you know, I I know what I want to do. I want to go ahead and I want to invent something that you can that you can do while you're drinking. That'll just give you more energy. So that way you can just keep drinking. And his friend told him, you know, here, that thing is already invented here. Go ahead and try this. And it was a line of cocaine. And that was the first time he ever tried it. And then he com- he continued to say that for years, that's pretty much what you're doing. And and I know a lot of people because I've never done coke because um, I was afraid I'd be way too good at it because I know my personality. <laughs> but I always hear from from people who are big into coke that that's that's exactly what that is. When you're mixing coke, cocaine and drinking, it's constantly just. You're you're drinking, and then you start doing coke to get up a little bit, and then you're so high up that you try and balance yeah. out with the drinking. Yeah, water. and you're trying to find this like perfect medium, this perfect feeling that I'm sure you can probably even confirm in your sobriety looking back. You're chasing a feeling that actually does not even exist. You're Spot trying off. to you're you're trying to find something, and again, I don't know that part from um from personal experience, but and all the people that I've interviewed that were into cocaine as their drug of choice, it seems to be, that's like the general consensus and what everybody says, especially when they're mixing it with drinking, you're trying to find a feeling that just doesn't exist anymore. Right. Um, and, and you're trying to, you're trying to find that perfect cocktail mixture and it's, it's just not going to get there. So you spend years and years of, of trying to find it and it's just, you're chasing something that isn't there. So, how many how long would you say in that time frame that you were saying even in that 18 months in that time what was if you had to make your best guess what was the longest amount of time um hours or days that you went from from using without using in between so early
1: in my, my drink and drug career should we say from 19 to 23 i would go i was living at home with my mum and dad my brothers had both moved out and I would go Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then I started ringing in sick on Monday. And then after, so that's how it went over the, like, three and a half years. That's how it went over those three and a half years. It was just Friday and Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then I'd be ringing in sick. And I remember, I remember on a Monday, I'd rang in sick two Mondays in a row, and I remember my mum coming in my bedroom. I used to work at the supermarket at the time. I remember my mom coming in the bedroom saying, you've ranking sick again. I said, I don't know. I said, I can't go in. She said, why can't you be like your brothers and just stop? And I said, I don't know. And I meant it. I didn't know why, because I didn't know I was an addict. I just thought I was greedy. Now, just when, she says just,
0: when she says, uh, why can't you just stop? Is she referring to um, like, overall like completely stop using or in no, the aspect she, mom, of just like for the night like why can't you just be done drinking for the night and just not be hung yes. over today yeah that's what she okay. meant yeah like responsible why can't you just drink responsibly correct and that's all
1: she did she didn't know I did coke then she only knew that I drank
0: okay so she was just pretty much asking me why do you got to drink until you're until you're so shitty that you're hung over the next day why can't you just drink like a responsible adult correct okay and wh- what's your response to her at that point I said, "I don't." I was broken and,
1: and shaking and chibbering and because I drank too much and done too much coke. And I just used, used to say to her, "I, I don't know." I promise. I promise. I'll, I promise. I'll stop.
0: So, if she didn't know you were using uh, cocaine at this time, does anybody in your family know? Or uh, you know the people that are very, very close to you, people that might nope. love you? No, nope. nobody. Just, that- no, just the friends that I did it with. That's it. Okay. Now, were these were these part of me like are these real friends are these no. people that actually like had love for you and cared about you or these are just no. these are just people no. that you were just using with yeah okay so you know they're not going to care they're not going to call you out on your shit because i know especially for me when i was drinking i had quite a bit of those those friends that we hang around with that are just as shitty as us that are hanging around with me because i was just as shitty as them because yeah. sometimes too those Those people, they help you feel better about yourself because they help hide the fact that you have a problem because they're doing the same thing or, you know, and they're using you for vice versa because you're doing the same thing as they're doing. So, you know, I used to look around in the bar and I used to think, shit, as long as there's a couple people in here that look like they're doing worse than me, then I'm not doing that bad. And I like somehow I would subconsciously justify it behind other people's actions when really I shouldn't. That's not the way I should be thinking because that it's not doing any good for me in my life. Correct. So at what point does your family or the people that even some of your closer friends, like anybody that loves you, at what point do they find out that you're using cocaine or that there might be an issue here?
1: Well, in that in the from 19 to 23, um I met at 19, I met my daughter's mum who was 10 years older than me and I moved out of my mum and dad's and I moved in with her we were always splitting up and we, I had a child earlier and I was only 20 just turned 21 when I had my daughter and uh my her mum my, my uh, her mum used to save my mum and dad from a lot so when I'd go on benders Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday I where I lived um, with my family, not my mum and dad, um, she, she wouldn't tell my mum and dad. she just try and um, bring me back, so to speak, obviously. Don't give me any drink. or uh, She, she never took drugs, uh, my daughter's mum, from day one. Um, so in those four years I lived with, as a family, with my ex-partner, my daughter, who was obviously a baby at the time, Hurts stepbrother who was about seven or eight and then me but we were always splitting up it was chaos um because I was always going missing I was always spending money that wasn't mine and it was just getting a nightmare this was in the four years from from about 20 to 23 so three years mix um I remember going on our uh oh no no yes I'm jumping the gun so yeah so I was it sort of took off my addiction I just used to I'd, I'd, I'd be stiffing at work w- without the drink. I I, I used to work nights at the supermarket. I turned into nights. I sniff there. I was just. I was always going to the doctors saying I'm depressed when I wasn't. It was just the drink and drugs. So it was quite. It's quite. Uh, quite bad, really. On in, in those three years, in the first three years of my daughter's life, I said it's quite. It's quite bad. It was quite toxic. Mm-hmm. Arguments, drug use, drinking. I still worked. I'm very good. very hard worker. I've always been in sales and I've always been very good at sales. Um, I've always brought good money in, always. But it was just toxic at home and, and, and it was all my doing, all my doing because of the drinking drugs, all my doing.
0: Yeah, and it's Stop. very, I think a lot of times too, especially when, when cocaine is your drug of choice, you really have to be working too because it's such an expensive drug and it's such an expensive habit that you really you really have to you have to be able to supplement that habit um, with money so if you're not working then you know you're forced to do maybe some other shady or illegal stuff well I'm um, glad you've but, said that which was actually going to be my next question because I know for a lot of people that have a bad habit with coke they tend to they tend to to tread on mucky waters whether you know they're getting from from multiple dealers and they're they're getting it on the borrow and they're owing people and dealing with that or they start stealing from people and whatnot because again it is a very, very expensive habit to to support. Do you do you start having any of those problems? Do you start getting yourself in any of that type of trouble at this point to so support okay, your habit? So- I
1: was borrowing borrowing money off, off my partner at the time, uh, never paid it back, taking money that wasn't mine. But I started dealing at a very young age. I started, dealing, I started actually dealing coke at around 21, 22, because I begrudged paying 40, 50 pound a gram for it. So I started to deal it, started making money and work at the same time. But then I started to sniff more than I was actually doing. Um, that was early on. In my, that was in when I was still living with my uh, my daughter and her mum. So we still it was just like little bits to friends and stuff. So I always got mine for free. That's how I did it. Um, but then the, the turning point for me, mix, was at 23. Now I got my family. Don't ask me why. I went and bought myself a flat. So I had my family with my family home. And I went and moved up the road in my own flat at twenty three and that's when my drink and drug uh, career should we say took off,
0: took wow. that to the next level now when uh, when you mentioned that you were you were dealing it as well, yes. is that two questions so a does does the does your mother's i don't I don't know what term we're using. does your mother's daughter, your ex does she know about this? and also, yes. How does the, how does your, your police and your justice system look at this? And I don't mean you personally, but is, is cocaine a very, very big deal out there? Like if you get in trouble, are you going to get a slap on the wrist or the first time you get caught, are you looking at potentially going to jail and being away from your daughter for a long time? Like, how does your legal system look at cocaine, um, out in that area? Cause I know out here, I mean, you could be a first time offender. And if you have enough and you're caught and they can prove that you're selling it, like you can go to jail for a long time for that shit out here. So answer
1: to your first question, she didn't at first, but then she did because I didn't care if she knew or not. So yes, she she didn't and then did. And then the answer to your second question is, yeah, exactly the same. If I would have got caught with enough or it was all divided up into bags, yeah, there's no slap on the wrist. You're going to you 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 go into prison.
0: Okay. So it's, it's the same over there. It's not like it's looked at a little lighter No, there's, there's no slapping on the wrist over there. Mm -mm. So at this point, do you, is there anybody in your life that, that is dealing with any type of addiction? Is there anybody who is struggling? Is there anybody that you've seen that has lost everything or everybody that they love or, you know, struggling and has, are you even thinking that you might have a problem at this point? Or are you one of us stereotypical addicts where you just think, you know, if you're an addict, you got to be homeless living under a bridge somewhere. So as long as you have money and a place to live, then there's no way that you can be an addict. And that's not you. Like, is is addiction even a term a term or in your vocabulary is anything you even know at this point in your life no no i
1: didn't i didn't class myself as an addict there was a family friend that had given up the drink which i knew about but didn't know a lot about um but i never classed myself as an addict because i did it because i was more of a binge so i would go on binges and i would go on two three four day vendors but then I would come off it then for like a week or two week when I got when I when I bought my own flat at 23 as I said before that's when the that's when it took off to the next level because I started to drink and use when instead of going to work on a Monday like I like I promised my mum I would I would drinking sick for Monday Tuesday because nobody would see me because I lived on my own. So everybody thought, my whole family and friends thought I was at work when I wasn't. So I would continue to drink and use. So the benders got longer. So I'd start drinking and using for four and five days at a time. Then I'd come off it for say four or five days, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, but then I'd always go back on it.
0: Wow. That's, you know, even, even getting offered for a couple of weeks at a time, is a long time for something like that now are you feeling are you feeling shitty in those two weeks when you're off of it? What's making you go back to using it at that time frame? first
1: first few days I feel shitty and then I'd start repairing physically, mentally and then after say a week or so i think, oh I feel amazing I think right, I'm gonna go back to the gym, start going back to the gym, and start eating properly, spending time with the family, which was my daughter who's called Charlotte by the way and her mom and her brother, we'd have family time, uh, everything would be good from the outside world. And then after, say, a couple of weeks, this little voice, which is the addict, in my head would say, you can just have the one. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens is, What when I came into recovery at 26, I found out why I couldn't just have the one. So, once I have one drink or drug, it sets off a craving in me. It's like a physical craving. So, I, but I never knew this. I never knew that what I knew that once I had one, I couldn't stop, but I just thought I loved the taste. So, I would drink and I would say, That tastes lovely. I'm having another. Let me tell you, it could have tasted like battery acid and I'm having another because I wasn't drinking. To be sociable, I was drinking for the effect.
0: For sure, and I think that's that's the problem too uh, for for a lot of addicts, especially if you're doing what you're doing, and you know you're able to stay away for a week or two at a time. Your brain starts telling you, "Look, JT, see, you don't have a problem." you're completely fine. You can stop for a week or two. You can give it up whenever you need. If things start getting bad, you can just stop. Like you got this under control and your brain starts telling you, if you can stop for these little periods of time, then you're fine, but you're really not. You're just, you're pretty much bargaining with yourself and you're manipulating yourself and you're just getting deeper, deeper into your addiction, just one or two weeks at a time. And Mm -hmm you know, and again, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for a lot of people that I've seen it affect. you know, you're only one of these times, you're not going to be able to stop that two weeks. You're only just one of these times. It's just going to be every day until you're either in, in jail or dead, or you finally get it together and you find that path to recovery, but you know, jails, um, institutions, hospitals. I mean, those are those are and and cemeteries those are the only ways a lot of times to really get out of this unless you really find that path and stick to it yeah. so for you you found you found your recovery at a young age then um so we're getting to that point so what was what was kind of towards the end of your addiction what really starts to happen or what happened for you to really think like fuck I really do have a problem here I need to get this together um, where was kind of your bottom so to say?
1: <laughs> so I'd been I was
0: 26
1: I was 26 and I'd been on another mad bender for I don't know how many days, 4 or 5 days um, and we had a family friend that was about 5 years sober at the time uh, still a family friend today And she lives on our street. She still lives next door, but one to me. And I remember knocking on the house and saying to her, I need help. And she said, no problem. And we got straight in the car. and went straight to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting straight away there and then. And I was a bit taken back with, oh, okay." So this was the point at 26, because I never knew what was wrong with me. But I just said it needed help. Anyway, I went to my first Alcoholics Anonymous meeting at 26. So yeah, I was quite young.
0: Wow! And is that 2010 then for you?
1: No. Uh, yeah, I went. I went in recovery in 2006. Uh, okay. I messed about with recovery until 2010.
0: Okay. So you. Uh, had sorry. Like sorry. Four-
1: apologies. I was sorry. It was. Oh sorry. Apologies. I was 26. Okay. But that was in October
0: 2005. Okay. So you after so, this you still have like five more years of going out there and and using and drinking and drugging still before yes. it kind of find it. Now from 2000 so from 2005 till 2010 if you had to make your best guess how many times would you say that you now at this point said shit I have a problem I need to stop and then would stop and go back out and use again like you, know, you know I guess Although I hate the word relapse, that's a very popular term, and it's a, a term that people are very familiar with. So, how many times would you say you relapsed in that time frame where you you tried to get a grasp on it and then just kind of fell backwards? Oh, I, can't, I couldn't even put a
1: number on. I couldn't even put a number on it in those five years. In those five years, I had I had a, a four month recovery window where I didn't do anything. I had a 16-month recovery window where I didn't do anything. Then after I relapsed, or after I, I drank again after 16 months, that was in um, April 2008. And then from April 2008 to August 2010, I, I was I, I could only go a week or two and I'd be relapsing for like three or four days and then a week or two. And then re- it was awful. So in the hundreds.
0: Wow. Now this you're reminding me of stuff that I hear from from people all the time too when when they go back out especially in the relapse and I'm probably going to I'm going to throw a few questions at you so I'll repeat any of them you need. Um first at this point do does does your family really really know is anybody saying anything to you at this point? Also, you know, we always hear that when you go out and relapse and, and you pick up again, it's, it's worse and worse every time you do. So, and, and I think you kind of like confirm that a little bit by saying, you know, you, you had four months, then you had 16 months and then, you know, you really couldn't get more than more than a little bit of time because it's, it's getting bad. But what happens, what, what happens to you that after 16 months of putting everything down and staying clean and sober, uh, what makes you pick up again after such a look? Cause that's, that's not a little bit amount of time. That's, that's a, that's a long time there. What makes you pick up again after 16 months?
1: I put something else in front of recovery. I didn't make my recovery number one. Right. I made it number two.
0: Uh, do you want to, what do you mind telling us what, what you were putting in front of your recovery? Like what became a priority to you?
1: <laughs> you laugh the gym
0: Okay. Wow. So I put the gym in front of my recovery. Shit. Now I'm going to go back to that first question I asked you because man, that we're going to, we're going to really dive in there. Does your family, how many people in your family really know that this is a problem for you? This is something you're struggling with and that you're trying to get clean and sober at this point.
1: When I went and got help from the neighbor at 26, they knew I needed, they, they all knew then that I was uh, like an alcoholic addict.
0: Okay. Um, so I want to go back into the other part you said too, uh, putting the gym first, because this is something that hits hard for me. Um, so I, when I sobered up, I was going to meetings and I always say, especially because you already mentioned AA. So I have a feeling this is going to end up becoming a topic for us again and talking about some of this stuff. So I always say on this podcast, uh, staying fit ODAT, this podcast, we're not affiliated with any 12 step programs. You know, I'm not telling anybody they have to go to AA or NA. That's the way that works. You know, I, I strongly believe that whatever path you find, whatever path anybody finds, whatever works for you, go out and do it. We support it. We love it. Um, I just, we just suggest and hope that you find something. Just don't try and do these things on your own because they are very, very tough. Find a community, find something that works for you, whether it's a church or a therapist or a 12-step program or there's, there's so many ways out there to that, that can help you. Um, these are just, when we mention AA and NA on this podcast, it's just because the specific guest or myself, this is just what works for us. So with that being said, um, I had time frames where I would be in the rooms a lot and then I would get away from the rooms and I didn't pick up a drink, but I would dive so much into my running or my working out. And a really, really, really close family friend of mine, someone who is in recovery, Someone who I pretty much call mom, um, she's like a second mother to me. Uh, She told me one time, she goes, Migs, um, I'm not saying that you have to get back in the rooms, but make sure that you're finding other ways to continue putting your sobriety and your recovery first because you're going out there and you're running every day. And we love that you're running, and that's awesome. But if something happens to you and you can't run, then what, what are you going to have then? And at that point, I don't want to see anything bad happen to you. I don't want to see you fall down your depression. You know, you need, you need a base and you need a foundation. And that got me thinking and it got me focusing back on more recovery stuff. And then shortly after I sprained my knee and I couldn't run it off for a few weeks. And I'm glad it was like, God was speaking to me through her because it reminded me, I need to put other things first because had I not, then shit, who knows what would have happened when I sprained my knee. And right now I'm dealing with something where just a week ago, I just broke my ankle. And so I can't run. I can't go to the gym right now. And so that's, that's stressful for me. Um, and so hold on. Am I losing here? I think I still have audio. Already- oh. Can you <clears throat> Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think, I think we were still going good. I think we're going to still have this on pickup because on my end, it was going through. But anyway, what I was, what I was saying to you is that, uh, you know, uh, just a week ago, I also, I broke my ankle. And so not being able to run now and go to the gym, you know, is really kind of put me in a funk and a depression. And if it wasn't for the fact that the stank fit ODAC community that I created on Facebook and having the TikTok followers to communicate with, and and Instagram and people to reach out to and going into the rooms having all of that foundation and that support and love you know who knows cuz running is so much to me that if i didn't have all of that stuff when when this injury happened you know i'm scared to think what could have happened you know i might have went right back to my old ways and said fuck it i can't do this so let's go pick up a drink so i know that was a bit of a rambling rant there um and going off on a bit of a tangent but it kind of is something that really hit hard for me to hear that, you know, after 16 months, you know, putting something else, especially the gym could, could hurt you like that. So why don't you go ahead and tell us what happened for you in that time frame, and, and also what you're doing, what you're doing now to make sure that you're keeping everything, all the right things as a priority and, and working fitness in there, but not putting it before your recovery. Okay.
1: So it was, we're at the beginning of 2007, and i come off another bender. Um, it was only a three-day bender, but it was horrendous. Um, 2007, I decided I, I need to do this. Brand new year, I'm going to do this. So I got back in the rooms of, of uh, I got back in the recovery rooms, and I got myself a sponsor, and I started to work the steps. And I promised myself in those that first year, I promised myself, 2007, three things I'm going to do. Number one is recovery. Number two is my family. So family was number two. And then work was number three. That is all I concentrated on in 2007. I never went to the gym. I never cared what cared what I ate. I didn't do anything apart from those three things. 2007, up until that point, was the best year of my life. I won awards at work for being the, uh, the top salesman in the country. Being general, I was thinking, I've made it, this is it. This is it. On my year birthday, which was the 2nd of January 2008, I had put on so much weight, because I didn't care what I ate, I didn't go to the gym, I promised myself I'm a year sober I am now going to the gym and I did and I started going to the gym and I started watching what I ate and then it got a little bit um in depth with what I ate like really finicky what I ate with with uh, no fats and low carbs and anyway I, I dropped about two two and a half stop about between two and two and a half stone I dropped
0: Now remind us, uh, stones, stones to pounds.
1: I, stones to pounds, so kilograms. Okay,
0: how many, how many kilograms is a stone?
1: Right, well, four, four stone is 25 kilogram, roughly.
0: Okay, wow, and then 25 kilograms is a little bit more than 50 pounds, so two, two and a half stones, you're pretty much talking about like 25 pounds or so. Right, so I dropped...
1: And, that, and I did that in three months. I ran um, quite often, so I because I ran to the gym and I ran home. I was obsessed with the gym. So instead of doing five meetings a week that I used to do, I only did two, but I went to the gym five times a week. So I looked and made I looked the best I'd looked ever in my life up until that point. I was twenty. Uh, 28-ish, 28, 29, and I looked amazing, uh, but I'd lost too much weight too quick, and I looked quite gaunt. My cheeks had sunken in a bit. And I remember, because my recovery wasn't number one, I met up with an old friend. We went and watched a boxing match at Man City Stadium, and I promised myself I wouldn't drink, and I was holding on for dear life. I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink. And by the time I got home after the boxing match, my friend said, "You've done well not drinking," because he drank. So I said, I know "I've done really well." And he pulled out a gram of coke, and as he pulled the as he pulled it out, my, there was no thought involved. I just I didn't think about anything. I just as soon as he pulled it out, I just said, "But I'll have one of them." That was it. Wow. Instantly, a lot, and I had two lines that night. And the next morning, I thought, "What the fuck have I done?" Ah, oh, shit.
0: Now, did you go straight at at that point? Did you try and get right back into the rooms at that point, or is that one it of did. those like where you're you're back out for a few months at a time before trying to find one of those? Hold on, we're hold on. Our connection is cutting out here a little bit. I'm gonna have you repeat this. Can you hear me?
1: So the next morning, I uh, I woke up. And it felt horrendous that I picked up. But I went straight back into the rooms for a couple of months. Um, and was—I was, some people said I was still sober. Other people said I wasn't. So for a couple of months, these are just people in, in the rooms. And for a couple of months, I was in a, quite a lot of debate. Do I start again? Do I start my recovery time again? Do I not? And then all of a sudden, after two months of this debate and still going to the rooms, I was with the same friend that I was with two months ago. And um, I just remember sat in my mum and dad's front room with him. My mum and dad had gone to bed. I looked at the side of me. There was a bottle of wine with half of it gone. And I just grabbed it and swigged it all. And my friend just said, oh, my days, what have you done? And then from that point was like, Two years, out two to three years of, of I couldn't get sober
0: again then. You know, I was going to say that, uh, like, it it sounds like we need to use the term. Originally, I wanted to say it sounds like we need to use the term friend loosely with this person because he pulls out. He tries it. It sounded like he almost tried to get you to drink and then he pulls out um, cocaine and then you end up using that. And then you're sitting in your living room. But then he also sounded concerned when you picked up the bottle of wine. So I'm kind of like, was he, was this person in your corner? Did they want you to stay clean and sober or was this kind of like that? And I'm using air quotes here. Is this that friend that is kind of like, Oh, well, you were clean for this amount of time. So you can come out and you can party now. And you got this under control. Like which side of the fence is this person on at this point?
1: He's he always loved when, if I got back on it, he'd love it because he felt as if we were back as a team again, because we, ah, okay. we were close we, and we were close. Um, but when I drank, he was concerned with what the fuck have you done? But we still went on, we still went on a bender for, well, he, a day. He went on a day bender, I went on a two-day bender. And then my, my, after the sec, second day, my mum and dad found out that I'd back on the drink uh, and drugs. And then I found it very, very difficult, but... This person, I'll come at you. We'll, well, this person, when I got finally got sober, um, I said to this person, "I can't see you. I need to get sober." We never spoke for nine and a half years. We've only just got back in contact for the last
0: eighteen months. Wow, wow, that's that's powerful. And wow. and we'll get back into your early recovery on this last time around. But um, this person. Do you guys now have a better relationship? Is this person now more supportive of your recovery? Yeah. And, and this person wants to see you succeed now? Yep, yeah, massive. That's that's super, super awesome. Um, I'm glad to hear that. It's it's always nice when you can get back those relationships and you don't have to worry um, what's going to happen and and, you know, things like that. And you don't got to worry about hanging out with this person, especially one-on-one, because when there's not other people around – These two instances that we just spoke of are the unfortunate things that can happen when it's just you and, and one of your old ripping and running buddies. So on this last stint around now, which first off, congratulations on just hitting 11 years in, in August, that is super, super awesome, man. That is so, so cool. Now we're going to be starting to get into the point of, of JT motive that, which I'm assuming the, the motive that's. I don't know if that's coincidentally your last name, or I'm assuming just short for like motivate or motivational or.
1: Yeah. JT is my first two initials, James Thomas. And then I've I've got my last name. Okay. So I've always called everything JT. Every time I've set up a company or um, a, a page or anything, it's always been JT something. So I'll give you an example. When I very first set up my eBay account 15, 20 years ago, it was called JT Bargains. Okay. Then when I set up my own car company about five years ago, no, no, nine years ago, I had my own car lot, my car pitch, that was called JT Cars. So um, everything's always been called JT, everything that I've done. And this it was just JT Motive without the E. So Motive is just short for motivation.
0: I love it. I love it. So what is, what is different about your recovery this time, this last time around in this 11 years. And when you, when you started this path again in 2010, which knock on wood, we never know and we can't take anything for granted, but hopefully, you know, for this last time, you know, being through, through this path, what is different this time for you? What are, what are you doing differently that you didn't do the other times?
1: OK, so differently this time, I came into the fellowship again in August 2010, 27th of August. And I was done because I ended up being where the last two people, that, that my whole family had disowned me, my whole family, apart from my mum and dad. And my mum and dad were the last two people that said, we're done, we're done, go away. And this was like the, the, the first or second week in August. And I went on my last 11 day bender. And then I rang my mom. I remember ringing my mom on the 26th of August saying, Please help me. And she said, Come on, you've got one more chance. So I, kept, I went back into recovery. She, I went back home. She nursed me back to life for three days uh, water, a little bit of food, warmth, have a shower, clean, have a shave. I didn't, I, I didn't bathe or brush my teeth or for, for days and for, well, for 11 days. Anyway, and then I, I went back to AA and i got myself a sponsor and i worked through this i this is what i did i worked through the 12 step recovery program and th- and i've continued to work through the 12 step recovery program for the last 11 years that's 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 how i've done it i didn't do that before i didn't realize I, how how important it was to do that now in order for me the the the, the main thing i've got to do that i've done this 11 years i didn't do before was helping others That is how I've become where I am today, by helping others. That is the one main ingredient of why I'm 11 years recovered. And I say recovered because I'll always be an alcoholic addict. But it says uh, I suffer with a hopeless state of mind and body. Now, when I'm recovered, I don't suffer with a hopeless state of mind and body anymore. I don't because... I've had a total change of mindset around drinking drugs. I've still got a physical allergy in my body. So if I was to drink now one drink, I would my benders would be worse than what I started off 11 years ago because my illness has been progressing in these last 11 years. Well, I can never change my internal condition with my uh, physical allergy, but I can change my mental mindset, which I have which is what the recovery rooms do for me. But the bright spot of my life is go helping others. That's the bit I've done that I didn't do before. A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head there too. And, and I, I always try to remind myself too, in my recovery, um, cause I strongly want to be, I, if, if you're a, if you're a big book reader, um, and you're into the literature, I really, I really cling on to the fact of trying to hold on to be a 50 percenter. And getting it on my first time, the first time I got into the rooms, you know, knock on wood, um, this is still my first trip through. I haven't went back out and done any field research since the first time I openly said I was an alcoholic. Um, so that's something I'm really clinging on to. But, you know, it's something that also that our our fitness, our fitness um junkies, addicts, whatever word we want to use here for, for our people that are really, really into the fitness world. One thing that they can relate to when I say it this way is that our addiction, just like you said, our addiction is working hard. Our addiction is hitting the gym every single day in our bodies are, are, you know, they're doing squats. It's, it's doing pushups. It's bench pressing. It's running. So if we fuck around and we go back out and we pick up that drink or our drug of choice, you know, imagine how strong that addiction is now, like it's ready to go. It's like it's training for that exact moment that we think that we have it under control. And, and we try and go around and, and, and flirt with that disaster there because it, it is going to try and wrap us in and not let us out this time. And I, and I don't want to find out, you know, um, so and and you also mentioned about helping others because this is how I found you is through TikTok. And and motivating people and inspiring people. And holy shit, man, are you fun to watch on there? It's just like I love just clicking onto your page and just seeing like your awesome videos where you just you have you have the camera in just like a random angle and you roll up on it and and you're you know you're responding to someone's comment of motivation and and just feeding off that energy and that love for the day. Or, and I even mentioned this earlier too, when someone wants to be negative, um, I think it was the uh, the day after we actually agreed to set up this interview and you scheduled it. And I think the very next day, I, I saw that you respond to someone who said like, you do the same stuff over and over every day. Don't you get tired of it? And you're like, no, I don't get tired of it. I was just about to mention this, but I'm glad you did. And you beat me to... <laughs> You beat me to it. And, you know, we're going to continue doing this every day and we're going to continue trying to help other people because, you know, recovery, it's not just like, it's not a fad. It's not a trend. It's not something to, oh, you know, this is, this is the cool pair of shoes to wear now, or this is what's in. It's not something that, you know, we're going to let go away for, for people like yourself and for people like me who are not shy. And we're not quiet about our recovery and we're very, very open about it. I believe that it's almost our responsibility and our priority to go ahead and continue speaking out loud and shouting from the mountaintops. Yeah. My name is JT. Yeah. My name is Miguel. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an addict and I'm not ashamed of that, but here's what we're doing. Here's what we're focusing on. And if If you're struggling as well, please reach out, talk to us, talk to someone, talk to anybody. You don't have to be alone. and and I love that you're doing it. I love seeing other people out there who aren't quiet about their story. and it's just it's so inspiring. Um I could go down the TikTok rabbit hole in recovery for a long time, and being on your pages is one of my favorite. Just seeing those videos is cool. Um, and on a lighter, a little bit more funnier note, I meant to I was gonna bust your balls today and say, does the boss ever give you a hard time about making these videos at work? But now I know you are the boss. So I guess you're not giving yourself a hard time about it because, hey, fuck it. Like you worked hard to become the boss. So I guess you can make all the videos at work that you want to make.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not the boss.
0: I wish oh, I was. Not?
1: Oh, I thought no. you said you owned
0: it. I thought you said you owned the, the car dealership. No, I did own it. I did own a
1: car dealership called JT. Everything was called JT Motive. I now work for um, Volkswagen.
0: Okay.
1: I don't own Volkswagen. <laughs> I don't own. I, I,
0: <laughs> I thought but maybe no, you just owned like a Volkswagen, Volkswagen
1: dealership. I'd work at a Volkswagen dealership as a salesman. Now I did. Okay. But I, but I did have my own dealership years ago called JT Cars. Not so, anymore. So does the boss give you shit
0: when you make the videos at work?
1: no. <laughs> No, because I sell a lot of cars, I'm good what I do, so I try not to, I, I do do a few videos at work, um, I do, but it's the editing that, that, that takes the time for me, so I'll do it in between calls, or I'll do it on my dinner, or I'll, I'll film the video, which takes 20-30 seconds, Yeah. then I'll edit it on my dinner, because obviously they're paying me for their time to sell cars and stuff, but
0: my work
1: is uh, amazing. My, my work look after me, like I've never been looked after before. Um, and it's a two way street. It's a two way street. I, I, I sell a lot of cars. I'm not blowing my own trumpet. I'm just stating the facts. I sell a lot of cars. So. They look, I look after them. They look after me. And it's just the way it work and it works well. So That's awesome. no, my boss doesn't mind me doing a few TikToks. No, not at all.
0: I believe. And I definitely believe that you sell a lot of cars too, because you know, as addicts, we tend to, we're, we're really good at sales because let's face it for years, we're selling to other people and even to ourselves that we don't have a problem. So we spend, so, I mean, we're, we're selling that image of ourself. So it's, it's not surprising at all that when, especially when you are clean and sober, that you can use those, those powers for good. Um, and you know especially if it's a product or something you believe in like everybody needs cars so as long as you're working at a good place and you're not selling yeah. you know shitty beat up cars um and it's it's really easy and that's that's super awesome that you're able to uh support yourself and do well financially in that aspect that's that's awesome and that you have the time to make those videos so keep selling cars so that way that way you can keep hitting that little espresso <laughs> machine and that coffee machine and and keep inspiring people because i love it so Thank you. I also see that uh, you're on the grind, you're getting in the gym at 5.30, 6, 6.30 in the morning. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely love that as well. So why don't you go ahead, <coughs> excuse me, uh, you know, a lot of this podcast is also about fitness. So why don't you tell us what you're doing in the fitness world now, as far as staying healthy, staying in shape and trying to live the best physical part of, of your being right now that you possibly can.
1: So <clears throat> I've always been into the gym. Or I think a lot of addicts are gym related. I just do. I've always been to the gym for the last 20 years. But it's really taken off for me, I'd say, in the last three to four years. Um, not really. i go because I, I I I'm I'm quite poorly in my health. I've got COPD, okay. um, I've got no immune system. So I, I'm I quite. I find, basically, I find it quite difficult to breathe. Strangely enough, Um only thirty-five percent of my both my lungs work. So instead, if they're both hundred percent, only thirty-five percent work. It, it's it's nuts. Wow. So um by rights, I shouldn't be working. I should be at home, and I should be on, you know, it is welfare, or I should be on. So the state should pay for me because I'm poorly. But I don't let that happen because I feel as if I can give back. I feel as if I can keep, I, I feel I can do do more. So I've always been into fitness, but it's really taken off, Migs, in the last three to four years. And I do get up early. I never used to get up this early and go to the gym. This is, this is taking time. This is, this is the routine and the structure and the discipline I've got into. Now, I can get up anywhere between 10 past three, and five o'clock. So I'll give you an example. This morning I was up at five o'clock, which is a lie-in for me because it's my day off. Yeah. But as a rule, I'm usually up between half three and half four. It takes me one hour to have a coffee, take all the medication, because I'm on a lot of medication, and I have um, a, a breathing nebulizer that I put over my face. and I have to sit there for 25 minutes on it. I have to do all this before I go to the gym it i have because it gets my lungs working if i don't if i don't do that i struggle for the whole day so that's my routine i get up i sort the dogs out and i sit down for an hour with a coffee and this is when i answer my 10 to 15 messages every single morning through instagram and tiktok that people say i need help i answer all my comments i answer all my messages in a morning when i'm sat there then I go to the gym an hour later from when I'm getting up and I do a full hour in the gym and I do it in sections. I'll always do a bit of cardio and then I'll do it in sections of one day chest, one day back, one day shoulders, one day legs. And then I rotate it like that. And I go five times a week, there and thereabouts. I don't go on a Tuesday and I don't go on a Saturday because they're the two days go going work at nine o'clock. I start my work at 10 because work, know that I'm poorly, um, and I'm, dis- I'm classed as disabled. Uh, ironically, I know I don't look well. I might look a bit disabled to some people, but that's a funny story. Anyway, <laughs> um, physically, I'm disabled, and I'm and I'm I'm classed as disabled in Britain. Um, when COVID struck, it was I had to leave. I was the first one to leave work, and I was the last one to go back because if I got it at the if I got COVID at the very beginning of COVID, I wouldn't be here now. I was. I, don't I was. Use-
0: I was thinking that, but I didn't want to bring it up and I didn't want to come off negative, but you know, COVID it, it attacks people with health issues. And specifically it's such, it's such a a breathing issue. It's, it's, it's a disease and a sickness that really hurts the elderly or people with bad lungs and whatnot. So when you say that you only have 35% lung capacity, my, my brain was running thinking, holy shit, imagine if you would have caught COVID in the beginning especially when they didn't know what they knew now or whatnot. Like you would have been one of the people on the ventilator and yep. that would, that would have been absolutely terrifying. So you probably really had to make sure that you stayed home, stayed away from people because yeah. you really couldn't flirt with anything. You couldn't take that chance. No, nothing. I stayed at home.
1: and I, 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 I never left the house for three months. Didn't leave the house for three months. Wow. Um, my wife did everything, did all the shopping once a week. And my son was here. I've got an eighteen-year-old as well, so I've got an adult. I've got a, a twenty. She, my, my kids now. I've got a 20, um, Charlotte's twenty-one, and I've got Mason, who's eighteen, which is my wife's from the previous, but he's like my son. So okay. there was three of us. There's only three of us that live in. My daughter's got her own place now, and we just stayed in, and we just we. Uh, I've got a, a fitness story. Can I tell you a fitness story about? Absolutely. that? Absolutely,
0: you can this tell is, us all the
1: fitness stories you have. This is this is my. This is my pinnacle mix of my fitness career. What I'm about to say, and I absolutely love it. And I have pictures and people must say, well, you boasting?" I'm not the call, I call them progress pictures. Hey, we love it. That's why we're here. So in COVID, I left work on the 17th of March and uh, I had to work for a week from home and then my business shut and they said, we're going to shut for about two months but I was off for four months in total. Anyway, for two weeks, for the first two weeks of COVID, um, I was upstairs in the bedroom. The wife was downstairs. We were both watching Netflix. Both, eat, both eating crap, uh, chip, uh, crisps, chips, as you call it, crisps, <laughs> chocolate. Oh, just loads of shit, loads of shit. And after two weeks of us doing this, I remember I said to my missus, "What are we doing? What are we doing? This is this isn't this isn't going away. We need to do. We need to. We need to." Stick together now. From that point, we started doing, we started, I, I made a little makeshift gym. I've got loads of weights and stuff and, and I've got a punch bag and I've got loads of bits. Um, and I've got a separate room. It's like a, a bit like a shed, quite a decent sized shed with all my weights. Okay. So I made different bits. I thought, right, that'll do that part of the body. That'll do that part. And I, I was looking on YouTube at different exercises I could do with the stuff I had. So, and then um, then we, me and Gail started doing fitness videos on YouTube. There was loads of YouTube stuff out, so we do it together. And uh, this is actually, in COVID last year, was actually when JT Motive was formed. It's only wow. been, JT Motive has only been going since April last year. Wow. So what happened was we started doing this fitness, me and Gail, and then she was going shopping. And she started to buy all the best stuff. Because we wasn't driving and paying insurance and paying for f- uh, fuel, and we weren't going anywhere. We were saving a lot of money. So we spent it on food. So we were on fillet steak, and we were on um, um, salmon. We were on very amazing food, amazing, all fitness food. And all of a sudden, long, I'll, I'll, I'll In those four months, there was nothing else to do. I was doing, my day consisted of home improvements, whether it's painting the bathroom or painting the outside or painting the fences. I did lots of home improvements in that four months. And I worked out two or three times a day. Oh, you
0: probably got big as hell. I got,
1: I didn't, I got big, but I got, I was absolutely shredded. I love it. Like it. never before. Whereas I, uh, my boss, got, at the end of the four, at the three and a half months of my four months off, my boss came around to drop something off from work and he saw me on the, he stood at the end of the drive and I got to the front door and he, he, when he saw me, his jaw dropped and he just said to me, where the fuck has that come from? <laughs> That's all he said to me. Oh my God, look at you. He said, I've never said, I said it, it was the it's the best body I've had in in 41 years of my recovery. Best body ever. Absolutely shredded to death. And that's all I did. And 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 Gail, she just trained and trained. That's all we did. Constantly training, constantly doing. We loved it. We absolutely loved it. And then I went back to work on the 6th of July. And obviously, life gets busy again. And I wasn't doing as much training. I wasn't eating as well as. But I remember going back to personal training sessions with I'm a personal trainer and I don't do a personal trainer because I don't know what I'm doing. I do a personal trainer because two reasons. Number one is my friend and he, I'm helping him out because he's doing it as his wage to put food on the table for his family. He's not doing it to buy his next Lamborghini. He's doing it because and, and it's about helping and supporting small businesses and friends. I love okay? that. I love so that. So that's one thing, and the other reason I do it for is because me and my wife can spend a full hour together training and having having giggles, having bants. So we're spending time together, good quality time training. So we pray together. We have quiet time together. We train together. And I remember my friend saying, "Do you want me to do your BMI?" So I said, yeah, okay. I reckon I'm about 10 to 12%. He said, no, you're less than that. And when he got the calipers out, and he did all the BMI and all the measurements, 6.2% body fat I was.
0: There was nothing
1: of me. And I got told off another friend, it's a bit dangerous because what happens is when you're that low with your body fat, it lowers your immune system. And you don't have an immune system. So you're going to be prone now to infections. So I then from that point, I then upped my calories a little bit. And I got to 7.5% because he said it was quite, it was not, it wasn't good for me. It, my my trainer said it wasn't good for me at all. So, uh, but yeah, those four months were amazing.
0: That's absolutely, that's just, that That makes me smile ear to ear. I just love hearing that story. And I can imagine in England, a great way to uh, to up your calories and to put on a little bit of body fat just eat lots of fish and chips.
1: Fish and chips we like fish and chips here in England.
0: I I hey I'd love fish and chips over here too but like I would I would be interested to see how much different they they taste in England. Like is it <laughs> But so on on a food aspect when when you're when you're in England, you know where where fish <laughs> and chips is really from, is it what's what's more important? Is it is it the fish or the chips? Like what which which one is it more important that they that they get perfect fish, the fish, and what fish. what kind of fish do you like it done with? Uh, either
1: cod or haddock.
0: Okay, that's that's the that those are my personal two favorites. I'm not really a huge fan of when they do it with tilapia. Um, uh, I I love we, I love don't use cod, that. Yeah, cod, cod and haddock. That's that's the way to go. Um, I love it specifically. I I like it with cod. It's just like nice and thick. You get like. A nice beer batter to it, get it nice and flaky and crispy. Throw maybe a little bit of vinegar on the on the on the, <laughs> the chips. Now, now, now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh man, this is this is super awesome. Like I said, man, it's just it's so fun to watch you on TikTok. So speaking of TikTok and Instagram and all of those cool things, why don't you tell our listeners uh, where they can find you? Um, you know, feel free to, to spell the name of any of your tags. And we're also going to put links in the episode when this uh, goes public. But why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and follow your journey?
1: Okay, so I have three social media channels. The first one I ever did was JT Motif, which is JT space M-O-T-I-V, and was my YouTube channel. And it was um, influenced and recommended by my wife who said, you need to get on the YouTube channel. So that's how, and I I did that in April, 2020, in lockdown. Uh, And I wasn't on any social media. And my wife was then reposting it on her Facebook. People were were getting getting comments and views, which then my wife said, what about doing Instagram? So I made an Instagram, again, called it JT Motive. As I could say, Started with that, then, and I was doing videos, um, <coughs> and it was more with I didn't on my. I was doing a lot then <coughs> of um, I'm a um, I'm born again Christian. So I was doing a lot of talks on my very early YouTube was a lot of talks about where I'm Bible reading, and then I, and then I'm turning it. I'm doing a quick Bible verse. And then all of a sudden, I'm flipping it into um, how we can use it today in this day and age. Just there were only like three or four minute videos, they were becoming very popular anyway. So I did that. Gail said, My wife turned it into um, Instagram, which it did. So I had Instagram from July, August last year. (coughs) Didn't do TikTok, that's all I had. And then in January, I got. Um somebody said, Why don't you do TikTok for your recovery and because basically I work for Volkswagen and I got told to do the Volkswagen social media for our branch, and I went on a social media course, and this guy knows loads about social media, he's giving me loads of little hints and tips about how to get uh Volkswagen uh social media up, and then I mentioned that I've got my own Instagram, JT Motive, that needs um Help, should we say? Because I want to help people with recovery. Uh, I not I don't know how. He give me some pointers, and then he said, "Get yourself on TikTok." So I said, "Hmm." He said, "Honestly, James, it's not about little girls dancing. It's bigger than that. Get yourself on it. It will boot. It will bring your Instagram profile up." So I went on TikTok on the eighth of January this year. And for about three three months, three, three and a bit months, I, di- I was posting all sorts. I was posting funny videos. I was posting my dog, Oscar, on there. I was posting lots of different bits. So the algorithm was all messed up. I didn't have a niche. And then one day, I put a video on, one video on, and all it said was, it was eight seconds long, and it just said... If you have a problem with drinking drugs, inbox me, I can help. That's all it said. Within less than 12 hours, 150,000 people had seen that video, and I woke up to over 300 messages in my inbox. Wow. That was when I knew some I'd hit something um, tangible that I can help with. And that was all. I think that was around the 7th of April, I think. It's still on my TikTok page, so if you want people want to go in and have a look at all the videos, they can do. But it's still on there, and then from that point, it's it's gone. This is how it's gone. So it's not been going that long. It's only been going three months on the TikTok, mainly with the recovery. Um, but I just love what I do. Absolutely love it. I, this is my, this is my thing. This is what I found my thing, my calling. This is it.
0: I love it, and I'm I'm right there with you as far as that's what took me so long to get on tiktok because i thought it was just going to be about um little little kids dancing to whatever the newest song was out or yeah you know women women just twerking or whatnot and you know i thought it was going to be nothing of value i thought it was just going to be shit so to speak and uh it wasn't until a friend of mine who's also in recovery told me that he was doing some stuff on there, and I was like, "What the hell are you doing on TikTok?" And he's like, "I'm posting recovery stuff," and I was like, "Wait, shit! There's that side of the world on TikTok as well." And so I went in there, and I was like, "Oh man, like I'm late to this party, but you know I'm here." And then I was able to find you, and I love it, man. It's I've been able to meet some more awesome people as well, um, for for the the Facebook community as well. Which now that I know you're on Facebook, you got to come join the group, Staying Fit Odat, in um, on on Facebook. That's where this whole thing originally started. Just so you kind of know, this whole thing started in January of 2020, shortly before the pandemic. I was training for a race. I broke my ankle, um, coincidentally, uh, you know, just like I did last week. And I uh, I just started this online Facebook group for other people in recovery who wanted to focus on a life of health and fitness and what they were doing and. there's a few people and here we are now it's been 20 21 months and it's it started off as you know just me and a couple other people now we're almost 800 members deep and over i think there's over 20 different countries with representation in this facebook group so you gotta yeah come join the group and it's it's awesome and people i'll have the link in the show notes by the time it's public but definitely follow jt on tiktok super super inspirational man And he's just, he's, he's a blast. There's, there's comedy, there's, there's raw, there's truth, there's, there's everything. And there's even fitness, which is why we're here today. Once I already knew I I was following you for probably a few weeks already, just following your recovery and your inspiration and whatnot, until there was kind of like this string where I saw you kind of posting gym videos regularly. And I was like, Oh shit. He's also a, he's a workout guy. We got to get him on the podcast. And here, here we are. And I absolutely love it. So For our listeners out there, um, for the listener that might be struggling today, that might be that is still drinking or drugging and they're looking for a reason to put down, put down the drink or the drug and they're looking or they need to hear something to inspire them to put it down and start their path of recovery or for the person who might be sober today, but might be thinking about picking up a drink or a drug and they're listening to this (coughs) today, hoping to hear something. That might inspire them or motivate them to not pick it up and, and to continue on this path to recovery for these people listening, JT, what, what can you tell these people, um, just a a little bit of advice or inspiration or motivation for these people? What can you share with them that you've learned over the last 11 years that, that they might need to hear today to either prevent (laughs) them from picking up the drink or the drug or to help them put it down today? Okay. So for the people
1: that are thinking of obviously that are still drinking and using, and for the people that are thinking of picking you know, up, you've got to ask yourself, it's never going to get any better. You're on this cycle, you're on this in this circle of that needs breaking. For <clears throat> people that are still in that circle and still drinking and using, it's never going to get any better. All you've got to do, there's nothing I can say that can make you stop. I can give you motivation, but just go back into your own experience and and ask yourself, honestly, when when can you just have a couple? Have you always started and never been able to stop? (coughs) For people that are obviously contemplating going back out after how many years or months or weeks, whatever it may be, Just ask yourself, it's never got any better once you've gone back out. Never ever in a month of Sundays has it it got better. I always say, people that are struggling, you cannot do this on your own. I speak to, I don't know, 15, 20, 25 people, every single day I'm answering comments, I'm answering messages, and I say the same thing to most people. You need a support network around you. You cannot do this on your own because if you could do it on your own, you wouldn't have inboxed me. You just do it. I couldn't stay sober for the love of my own daughter. I need a support network around me to help me get through the good and bad times. So you you can't do this on your own. Reach out to people.
0: I love it. That's, that's so true. I've been saying this since the beginning. Um, like you said, I mean, there's, there's so many ways out there to, to get into recovery, whether it be AA, NA, you know, uh, smart recovery church, seeing a therapist, talking to friends. There, are uh, there's so many ways out there, especially in today's society in 2021, you know, there's so many different online programs, in-person programs. There's so many ways to get clean and sober, but The one thing that I think every single one of them have in common is, is some type of community. It's not you doing it alone. And I've said this now um, this by time this airs, this will be uh, probably close to 60 episodes uh, published on this podcast. And I've said this multiple times. I'm still yet to find that one person, that person who is sober and clean and sober from, from drinking or drugging and has a significant amount of time in their recovery and they're doing it alone without talking to other people, without opening up to other people, uh, without just, just being open. And I'm, and I'm not, when I say open, I don't mean like you're telling a whole bunch of people that you're in recovery. If you're one of those people that because of your job, you have to stay anonymous or because of certain people in your family you have to keep your recovery quiet i understand that everybody has a different <laughs> life you know maybe you don't want your 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 boss to judge you at work or you know maybe you are the boss and you don't want your your employees to think differently and and i get it and i'm not judging people for that but even if you are that person you know find people on the back end find people that you can even if it's just a few people that you can talk to who you can tell the truth to you you just need people you just You can't hide that in. You can't keep that all in alone. Otherwise you're setting yourself up for failure and you're, Mm -hmm. it's, and like I said, I've said, if that person is out there who just does this completely on their own with no help, without talking to people, without reaching out, without doing anything, and that person exists and they have a decent amount of recovery time, then email me at stayingfitodaat at gmail.com. And we'll get you on the podcast and we'll share your story and how you're doing it if you want to, or I would just like to hear how you're doing it. But you know, I've said that many, many times and I'm still yet to receive that email from that person saying, hey, I can't do it alone. So, you know, I'm it's I'm not sure that person exists. And why should they need to? Because we're all here and we're all helping each other. Yeah. You know, this we all have the same goal in mind. So on that note. So on this note, it looks like we covered a lot today. I think we got everything we wanted, um, everything I could think of and remember Uh, JT, is there any, is there anything we missed anything else that you forgot to, to plug? This is, this is your chance. If there's anything you want to promote, plug anybody you want to shout out anything that you still have. Um, this is your, your chance to tell our listeners along with, I'll make sure that we have all the proper links in the show notes for you as well.
1: Thank you, Mick. So two things. I want to give a shout out to my bestest friend in the whole wide world, which is my wife, Gail without her, I wouldn't be doing this right this second. So that's him. I bet she's my bestest friend in the world.
0: She is fun to watch, by the way, on your TikTok videos. There is one, one specifically where, uh, I think you were at the top of the steps and you like yelled over to her and you were just like messing with her, like yelling at her, like, why aren't you in the kitchen? Or why aren't you doing this and that? And she just like, Who the fuck are you talking to? Like, who do you, have you gone mad? Like who, (laughs) and it's funny too, because my, my English accent is terrible, but I just, I pictured, I was like, oh man, he's about to get fucked up. She's about to whoop his ass. But yeah, that was, that was great. She's, she's, she's a lot of fun to watch on your videos too, when she makes her appearances. So massive shout out to my wife. Thank you
1: so much. And a massive shout out to all my followers on TikTok and all my followers on, on Instagram. The love and support I get from my TikTok followers daily is immense. I have to say that. They're immense. They And if anybody gives me an, on my lives any negative comments, I don't read them. I skip them because that's what they want. They want the attention. My followers, they're on it. Don't you dare. Da, 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 don't say that. And kick him off. And they, like, they, they've got my back. It's lovely to see. They show me so much love and support. But I have brought out, and this is what, what I said, I have brought out my own clothing brand. And it's, again, guess what it's called? It's called JT Motive. I love it. And it's my own clothing brand, and it's gym wear. And it's hoodies, T-shirts, and tracksuits. I've only been going two months. I've only been going two months, six weeks, two months. And it's all, it's all printed to order, and it's all inspirational quotes. Now, the reason why I did this is they are the quality is amazing it's worldwide I will ship it worldwide but they come with inspirational quotes on the back and you can choose what inspirational quote you want on the back at the moment I have three that I'm going to do in three one is uh, love not hate the second one is be kind and the third one which is the best seller is a phrase that says tomorrow is not promised and that phrase is my best seller. And this is gym wear or lounge wear as I like to call it as well. Now, when you say gym wear, house. does that mean
0: it's like compression? What do you mean? Like uh like the um like non-cotton, like that like stretchy, like moisture wicking, like yes you sweat. It doesn't okay. Yeah, so this
1: hoodie I've got on now is the silky shiny material. that you oh sorry, you can see that. Yeah, but then I also have I also have the other stuff, which is like the jog bottoms, like the normal old-fashioned jog bottoms. Okay. Like the cotton. So it's gym wear um, and lounge wear, but they all come with inspirational quotes on the back. And the reason why I've put inspirational quotes on the back is because I've had it on a good few occasions now where I've been in the gym, where people have tapped me on the shoulder, and I've, I've thought, okay, and they've said, I love what it says on the back of your jumper. Now I've only had two or three instances where people have said that. How many more people have read what's on the back of that and just implemented that in their day? So I see it as promoting positivity silently.
0: I love it. We're gonna have to link up. I'm gonna. I'm gonna need. <clears throat> I'm gonna need some JT motive. Where I'm gonna send you some out
1: as I a thank it. you. I'm gonna send you some out as a thank you for bringing me on here.
0: Oh, I'll, 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 absolutely. I appreciate that. I'm going to send you i I'll send you my address when we're done here. I absolutely Thank love you. it. That's super. I love that blue that you're wearing too. I love that color. You okay, Awesome. So uh, yeah, there was, it was so much fun having you on here, JT. It, it sincerely was, man, you're a blast anytime. Have you ever been to the States? No. Nope. Well, any, anytime, if you ever find yourself over here and you're on the, the Northeast and you're anywhere near Pennsylvania, Please make sure you uh, you reach out ahead of time. We'll schedule something. If I'm ever able to uh, – how far from London are you?
1: Uh, about – in a, about on a train, two hours. In a car, about five hours, four, five hours.
0: Okay, so if I end up all the way over in England, in London, at a, at a Chelsea game, then the extra five hours is nothing. I'm going to make sure we link up for sure if 100%. I ever find myself over there. Yeah, man, you, you – you have yourself a brother, a brother here in the United States, here in Pennsylvania, man. This was this was truly a pleasure. We're going to be staying in contact. I love everything you're doing. Please keep doing it. Please keep motivating and inspiring people because you 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 truly are a blessing, man. It's so much fun following you, and it's a great way to start the day too, uh, because with with our time differences, by the time I wake up, your day is already halfway done, and your new videos for the day are already posted. So I absolutely love it because I get to see your new stuff as soon as I wake up. So on that note, on behalf of everybody in the, on the community here with Staying Fit, ODAT, everybody in the (coughs) Facebook page, uh, everybody in all the social media platform and all of our podcast listeners, JT, we want to thank you for being on the show with us today. We want you to continue staying healthy, continue staying fit. And brother, please tell us how you're doing it.
1: One day at a time.
0: We absolutely love it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Staying Fit ODAT. If you yourself identify as someone in recovery, whether it be from alcoholism, substance abuse, anxiety, depression, or any other type of mental health issue, then please join the group on Facebook at Staying Fit O-D-A-A-T, three different words. If you do not identify as someone in recovery, but you like everything we have going on, and you want to continue staying in the loop with everything, then please follow us on Instagram at Staying Fit O-D-A-A-T, You can also email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at stayingfitodaat at gmail.com. Until next time, just know you're loved, continue staying healthy, continue staying fit, and please keep doing this one day at a time.